It is Sunday evening here in beautiful Ireland slash England. Sunday the 25th of October as the final week of this month is upon us. I'm one of your hosts, Barry Murphy, joined as always by my co-host, first of all, Mr. Joe Towner. Good evening, everybody. And also, Mr. Paul Griffin. Hello. Are we um, at a point now where, you know, English occupancy of Ireland was so long ago, (laughs) we're all mates again. Can we just come up with a word for, like, England plus Ireland? Well, I think think the British Isles is still the geographical term. Yeah, but I don't want to include them fucking Scots or Welsh bastards. (laughs) Well, well, then you're just being difficult. Then you're you're just being (laughs) odd, you know. Yeah. Well, British Isles, yeah, that kind of. I suppose, I suppose I it's that a bit, it. it's a bit weighted towards this side. We need something that kind of captures both. Yeah. We are divided by the Irish Sea, you know. Is um, are we an archipelago? Is that what this is? I think that's like a group of islands. So oh, in the is something archipelago? The uh, Celtic? No, is that really? Well, hmm. quite a few Celts over this way, so I don't know yeah. This is quite. This is quite the. This is the, the the Celtic Championship Wrestling podcast in a way. No affiliation to the problematic uh, wrestling. It'd be like the the, the Celtic Anglo Archipelago, whatever Joe said. Is that, you know, and, and, and how did we not think of that when we were coming up with the name? Instead, we instead we went with chair chair shot, which is which is my idea, which I do regret. Um, yeah, because it is bad. I'll be honest, it's bad. Uh, it only took us ten years to to have that out on air. Um, <laughs> I think I actually pushed back against that name originally. Um, anyway, look, ten, it's a, almost eleven years ago at this point. We should have made up our minds up back then. Yeah, I I, I can't remember. Yeah, because there really wasn't a whole lot of. To and fro, because of course our longtime listeners will recall that you know it was a website. The website came first, and I believe me and um, <laughs> me and me and Chris Blake had about two minutes of back and forth coming up with a name, uh, which I think is reflected on it. And then the podcast was just the Chairshot Podcast. What's your look? Yeah. Um, no, uh, I remember yeah. it was just uh, this is the name we've already bought the website, so I was very much like, <laughs> oh well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think if ever we were to have a window to rebrand, it probably would have been like four-ish years ago when we really pivoted hard away from wrestling. Um, well, obviously, still talking about wrestling, of course, in some capacity. But um, uh, especially, what's the point at the end of the day when you're when you're at that stage? We were already a couple of hundred episodes deep, so why bother? You know? Um, yeah, I mean, if we were to rebrand, it would have to be just something like. Uh, three pals who used to have a wrestling website and talk about wrestling now just have their weekly chat and you can listen if you want. Yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue like the, the Celtic Apalago Anglo-Saxon um, <laughs> mega power podcast hour, you know. Um, yeah. Naming naming a podcast is terrible because there are, there, there are like, um, there are podcasts I like or like Twitch channels or YouTube channels that I like where they've really just gone for the, uh, you know, the content can be the best in the world and it's just the one-up 
Blokes Games chat. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's like well, no one, that, one that I always disliked, and I'm 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 not having a go because I I believe the actual product is excellent, right? But I always thought the Attitude Era podcast was a horrendous name. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is it is funny because it is a quite a. Um, disparity between what that name like when you hear that name you assume it's going to be the worst american blowhards um uh talking about how things used to be better back then but yeah it is it's a great great show but yeah i I totally know what you mean because there's also i think there is also a second there's a another show that's called the attitude era like review podcast completely unrelated um but yeah that's the horrible name great for seo um, <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, that's the that's the real hustle. Is the uh, um, uh, and speaking of SEO, right? Yeah, we we started doing our podcast February twenty ten. Mm. Um, I think it was like maybe two years after WrestleZone started their thing and called it Chair Shot Reality. I think, really? and so that ate up all of our SEO. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even remember that because oh, people sure would search. I think if you searched Chair Shot Podcast. It would theirs would come up because they obviously were getting a lot more hits than we were at the time. Mm. Um, sure, look a bit of behind the curtain wizardry there. Yeah, yes, yeah. Name, name it podcasts is is fucking so so hard because it is kind of like your shop window, isn't it? You know your your name, your album art, your um, your description on the iTunes and all that. Yeah, um, but yeah. Anyway. I still like to leave it as Chairshot Podcast because I like the idea of catching wrestling. Because I think wrestling is still niche enough that you're going to catch some people that way, and then and they'll then they'll stay for the Simpsons talk and the movie talk and all that. Um, I'd be interested to know. Like, obviously, we've we've had a lot of people start listening from the old websites which we were part of, but I'd be interested the the people who kind of joined after that like how did they stumble across our our shite and why did they stay you know that, yeah. that would be um but anyway anyway that's the the <laughs> the us guff let's segue nicely there into this the speaking general... of guff by the way that was the maybe the best thing that happened rebranding wise to our podcast was i did for like five episodes on my own, a movie podcast called Movie Guff, <laughs> yeah. which we then just completely amalgamated into this podcast. I completely um, forgot that, to be honest. I completely, well, yeah, my, my, my memory isn't great at the best of time, but you know. Yeah, and then we, we started doing our, our segments by, by Guff. Guff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, that's the, uh, the, the, the podcast, uh, Guff. But anyway, uh, what about Life Gents, how has life been treating you? As mentioned on our previous show, our uh, Monday evening uh, show, we here in in our back into the old lockdown. Um, here, uh, slightly modified, some things a little bit different, but uh, for us on this show, as people who are not don't have kids to be taking to and from school, it's it's mostly the same, really. Um, mm. So it's not been too bad. Work was was mental this week, so I was not I was not handling that well. But uh, we did. Me and Brona did dive headfirst into you know, take this first weekend of lockdown as best as we could. 
got up early, had proper breakfast and dinner both nights, just had a lovely, lovely bit of roast lamb for dinner to this evening. It was quite lovely. Uh, to cap off a day of very productive cleaning and reorganizing, uh, which is which is good. So I, this flat will be insanely organized for the next six weeks. Um, it is, it is, I do like to, um, uh, uh, you know, every now and then when I do spend the old Sunday just cleaning and tidying, I do feel better after it. Uh, which is good, but uh, that's really been that's really been life there this week. You know, uh, I got a wedding in about two weeks that is still going on, and I, I can still go to uh, because of the the tweaks they made to level five. They are allowing twenty five guests, um, but I, I need a new suit, and I hate buying clothes without online. I hate I hate not trying stuff on before I buy it, but I had to take the plunge um, uh, because I don't have the luxury of going in and trying on a suit at the moment so uh this time next week on this podcast i'll either be telling you uh that it arrived and it feels great and i'm i'm uh super content with it or how i had to quickly stuff it back into the bag put the label on it bring it to the drop off send it back order another one a couple of inches wider on the waist um uh, and uh pray that it gets here in time for the seventh which is when i believe the wedding is so um yeah i i'm simultaneously anxious about getting that seeing does it fit, and also excited because if it does fit, that's a whole new world of possibilities opened up to me. Mm. It is frustrating. I hate I hate shopping for clothes now because I, I just want to order everything online, but as you say, you can't you can't predict it. You know, yeah. sometimes a small will be fine, sometimes a medium. You never know. It's a lottery. And uh, I wish they would just have standard sizing. Every clothes brand should have make things exactly the same dimensions. Mm. Or if I was Prime Minister or Tishak, is it Tishak? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I'd, um, I'd make the law. I'd get together with the EU and I'd say, "Come on, lads, let's just get to the important shit. Let's make all clothes the same size." Um, they, won't, they won't do it. Get get Joe on BBC or something, so we don't have to hear this. Uh, the Irish Prime Minister, whoops, don't know who that is. <laughs> Uh, Billy, Bertie, uh, Willie, or something, or whatever. All the boys, all, all the boys yeah. Um, yeah, it is a pain. Because even, even um, uh, my girlfriend actually just a couple of weeks ago, uh, when things were still open, got, got the, uh, the joyous experience of trying to buy shoes with me. And it's just mental because it's just from diff- different types of shoes and then different brands and then different chain stores have different interpretations of what a, a 12 is, you know. Um, and then when you go online, it's like, is this site American or Irish or British? Do they use EU measures? But also, is their definition of an EU 12 the same as, you know, you know it's just, it's a lot. But we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, that's really been it for Life Golf. Very, very quiet week, but a, a good quiet week. Had a nice, lots of, lots of movie watching. Um, uh, it's also shit weather here at the moment. So uh, sitting on my bum. Uh, uh, playing lots of video games, and then we had a, a lovely movie night last night as well, which was nice. So, um, yeah, that's that was my life this week, lads. What about you? Hmm, not a lot going on. Um, Michelle's been making a chili today. Uh, oh, told me to mention that it's a vegan chili um, with sweet potatoes. So, lovely. Uh, should we should we having that for lunch or next week? It's, it smells lovely. Uh, and yesterday we did go out to the shopping centre near us because we just. God, I haven't been anywhere in weeks, so you have to go somewhere. Um, it was all right, but obviously the weather's turned now. So unlike summer lockdown, 
uh, you can't just hang around outside and enjoy yourself. So we sat, <laughs> we sat in the middle of the high street eating some lovely uh, Greek souvlaki um, wrap with lovely chicken and chips, and they put the chips inside the wrap. Oh, oh yes, and that was really nice. But we were sat in the pissing rain outside eating it because there was no, we didn't want to go anywhere inside. Um, so that was the only shade. And we also had, ooh, we had some lovely Halloween Krispy Kreme donuts. Um, they have three special donuts out. Uh, they're called Wolfie, Frankie, and Vampy. Um, so Wolfie is a werewolf. Uh, Frankie's a Frankenstein. Okay. Vampy is a vampire. Um, Vam- Vampy has, I think it was a raspberry sort of jam inside. Which was nice. Um, Frankie had a kind of chocolate cake batter filling, uh, and then Wolfie was kind of just a regular ring donut. But um, yes, very delicious. So thank you, Krispy Kreme. Spooky, spooky, and delicious. Um, that's a bit. Oh no, wait! I read a book as well. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> I've been reading uh, Moneyball, the um, book about baseball. That uh, it's actually quite an old book now. I think it came out in like two thousand three or four, something like that. Um, yeah, I've been reading that on and off for like a couple of months now and finally decided to bother finishing it. Hmm. Um, it's a really interesting book. I think the only problem is like I, I know nothing about baseball. Like I do not understand it. I know home run is when they hit it over the thing. Yeah. Other than that, I, it doesn't make any sense. So I had to keep Googling just very basic things about baseball to understand what he was talking about. Like I didn't know what a walk was and when they walk. I don't know what that means. Uh, a ball is another thing. And not just the ball, the baseball. There's a thing called a ball, which is when they throw it and they don't hit it in the strike zone. Madness. Doesn't make any sense. It's more complicated than cricket. This is the problem with baseball. But anyway, very good book. Very interesting kind of insight into Moneyball, which is is you know what he termed the um, the greater use of kind of data and statistics in baseball, which before was primarily done on kind of instinct and you know what a player looked like. Did he kind of fit the bill? Um, rather than looking at statistics. So very, very interesting stuff. Um, there is, of course, the money move, uh, the movie Moneyball as well, which is really good. Um, this this goes into a lot of the kind of background of it as well, beyond just the um, the Oakland Athletics that were the team that kind of pioneered it. So it was a nice complement to the book, um, but, but quite different. So I did enjoy that. So Moneyball, if you still haven't read that after all these years, give that a go. Um, but bone, bone up on your baseball first would be my recommendation. And that's, that's been my week. Yeah. I'm still reading my, um, my Zelda books. Um, mm. and I know enough about Zelda that I don't need to be looking up stuff. <laughs> um, well, the master sword my, is this thing. Uh... <laughs> reading my Eric Cantona book as well. I do sometimes have to look up like, what's a Frenchman? What's <laughs> um, Matthew, what's this? He says, Sacre Bleu. What's going on here? What? <laughs> um barry you shared you tweeted at me there with um the the box of zelda books on amazon mm-hmm. i i think those books are like um manga or something which is weird oh really like a, yeah. like a novelization of the story yeah pretty much um That's which neat. you know i'm not immediately interested in but probably will find its way into my collection eventually um uh you know, i found in in 20 whatever years of of video gaming i don't think i've ever read a novelization of a game 
Um, nor nor a spin-off book or uh, an Assassin's Creed fucking or a Halo side story. I don't right, know if you right, have. Right. Never read any of that. Well, I have one here. Let me just grab mm. it out quickly. It's not one of those manga books, but my brother did get it for me a few years ago. It's in the collection. It's The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. It's, it's not really manga. It's more of a, I guess, a classic American-style comic. Right. Uh, story and art by Shotaro Ishinomori. Mm-hmm. And it's not part of that same series as what you shared with me. I think it was actually, and I might be wrong here, but I think it was uh, originally serialized in like Nintendo Power back in the day. Right. Okay. So they and they released it, it as its own. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Um, it's a full, full color like story of Link to the Past, done as a kind of a comic book. It's really, really cool. Um, haven't read that in a few years, but I'll probably give that another read. Uh, I just this last week pulled it out of a box, um, which we had left in in the we left basically a box in the garden because we didn't have space to store everything inside. And um, when we Opened the box after like a year and a half because I just wanted to get some stuff out of it. Unfortunately, some of the stuff had been eaten up a little bit by snails. So this book was one of the uh, one of the little victims. It's not too badly damaged. It's really only like the last three pages of like two hundred, which have a few little uh, bite marks in them. But I probably will replace that eventually because nice to have it without snails eating it. Um, apart from that in the week, uh, since Ireland is in lockdown, as Barry had mentioned, uh, can't go to the gym anymore. Mm. Can't uh, get them guns pumped, as uh, I do like to have them. Uh, so I bought some of those um, resistance band type things that you can like, hang on the door and do exercises that way. Um, ordered them on Amazon on thursday night and they arrived yesterday so that was very very fast so i'll give them a first uh go tomorrow i've already tried about like hanging them up on the door and they're they're quite got a lot of resistance to them doesn't quite feel the same as lifting a big heavy weight but um in the absence of being able to go to the gym i'm gonna just use those to avoid you know reverting back into a big fat blob <laughs> so so we'll see. Hopefully they're all right. I'll be doing, you know, do my push-ups and the usual stuff as well to try and maintain some kind of form until I'm able to go back to the gym. Uh, w- would you ever humor, hypothetically, if you had the money to, to get one, uh, getting a Peloton? Um, I don't really like exercise bikes, weirdly. Nah, me neither. Um, I like riding a real bike, and I like the idea of a Peloton. I like the idea of exercising and just sticking the TV on or, or music or whatever. But um, Peloton is, yeah, where you have like a, a, a video of a trainer like shouting at you. And stuff. Yeah, I do not understand. That. Um, no, I just generally don't don't find exercise bikes very comfortable. Um, so I, I, whether it's just my knees or whatever, but I, I don't really enjoy them. Mm. There are a lot of money for what is essentially uh, an exercise bike with a tablet stuck to the front. Like, yeah, you could, yeah there's, a, there's a cheaper option there. I mean, yeah, surely you could just, ha- if you have a tablet already, or a phone, you could just, like, find an equivalent kind of video on YouTube. Yeah. 
and stick that on. Um, don't do that on a real bike, though, and then don't be paying attention to what's going on around the world. Um, cycling down the road, listening to a person on your phone shout at you. <laughs> no, I don't know, because I, I don't have issues to cycle an actual bike. But I just don't get on exercise bikes. I don't know what it is. I, I just not that I I I can't do them or whatever. But I just find it really uncomfortable to ride an exercise bike. So I'm like, so yeah, that's what was going on here this week. How about you, Joe? Done my life, Guff. Why aren't you listening? Oh, oh. Yeah, sorry. Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I was there's my instinctive host mode. You know what I mean. <laughs> This um, is why we have a rundown. Unfortunately, Barry never reads it. So you're joking. I was the first person to add my stuff to the the app in lockdown. Lockdown, the rundown. Even oh, my brain is shanked. <laughs> oh, too many, too many concussions. I, anyway, I, I, I haven't got any light. I've got a bit of telegraph for you. If you all right, know. excellent. Why don't you, why don't you kick into that then? Um, so not been watching too much news stuff, but thankfully, Channel Four did decide to add uh, the West Wing to um, the all four service. Mm. Um, looking for a bloody streaming service to watch that on for months with, with the election coming up, you know, it's the perfect time to uh, rewatch um, the, the finest uh, political American drama of the, uh, you know, ever probably. Um, so yes, I uploaded it on Wednesday. I think it was. So we've, we've already watched about 15 episodes in the nice. last five days we've just been burning through that so yeah still a very fun show it's starting to show it's you know show its age a bit now with some of the references and stuff and it's so funny the kind of the, the political things that are a priority in that show are just now so dated to compared to the things we talk about now and of course there's no like this was 2000 so there was no internet well there was internet but it wasn't you know what it was now it's not social media and everything mm. there's one point where a character's like uh, when's the news going to break? And the other character says, oh, tomorrow. It's already online. And it's like, well, it's already online. <laughs> <laughs> it's broken today. But of course, no one read the internet then. So, you know, you have to go in the paper tomorrow. But yeah, a really, really fun show. So we're going to enjoy plowing through that for the next uh, few months. And that's that's about it. Other than that, just been watching uh, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares, as usual. Sorry. So yeah, just still great. Uh, I'm also still uh, on the all four service watching Malcolm in the Middle. We've really ripped through it. Uh, finished season two, uh, which is which is great. Uh, uh, I, I maybe a teeny tiny dip from from season one, but so many so many of the classic episodes are uh, are in uh, the second season as well. It's just great. It's just it's so it's still so funny. Like I and this is a show again. Brown had never seen this, which made my jaw drop. Um, I think I think we first figured this out. We were watching Harley Quinn, the, the cartoon, and Frankie Muniz has a cameo in that. And she was like, oh, he's from that thing. And I was like, Malcolm in the Middle. And she's like, oh, yeah, that. I never saw that. Which I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't believe because I not only – because it was very much – it was right there with Simpsons as just basically if you turned on Sky One any day of the week, yeah. you, were, you were rolling the dice, you'd probably get Malcolm in the Middle or the Simpsons. Um, but yeah, still, still holds up. Still really, really funny. And I think I also revisiting it. I really greatly appreciate kind of the characterization of the parents specifically. I mean, really, the parents even more so than the main characters. Even Malcolm himself. I think they are just so, so great and just such a great pair of, of, of you know, obviously goofy, but also still very real television parents. Um, 
and I, I've kind of appreciated more, even just less than halfway through. But I think the the kind of arc of of Francis, uh, who kind of starts the show as this kind of reckless renegade, and then that really does change by the by the end of the show. But that's much more gradual. Um, and on a rewatch, which I really appreciate. It's great. So we're into, we're into season three now, where you get some changes it's when they they get rid of the old, the kind of kind of tragic kind of. Uh, uh, Sort of wants to be everyone's friend, teacher of of Malcolm's class, and they bring in the the like the psychopath, uh, which again is a very good episode where he, he pits all the kids against each other. Um, so we've uh, started that, and it's it's, it's great. Uh, you know, this this is the, this is the the season though where the kids have noticeably aged, um, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny. But I, I think this is also the season where they they really make. The Malcolm character, he, he's now this like mid puberty, like, like rageaholic and, and fucking like super cynical, depressed 13 year old, which I, which I do appreciate. Yeah, so thoroughly enjoying that. And uh, the other thing is watched a bit more of the haunting of Bly Manor, which I think I talked about. The you know it's mostly very good, but some of the some of the issues last week. I think also as I as we've got like an episode left, I think I think. I would like them to do something different the next t- for the next time, not just because it's a bit over familiar, but also I feel like just the trappings of the haunted house genre I think are very limiting for for um, for as interesting and deep as the characterization is on this show. Same with the last season. It's like at the end of the day, it's it's it, the whole thing of ghosts with unresolved business. It's it's. It, it's it's very constraining, and and they put a lot of effort into writing these excellent characters, and I, I think they're a bit tied down by the the genre, but um, I, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. So should should finish that up by by the time we do another show. Um, yeah, that's been my telly. I haven't, I haven't watched anything new this week, so that's been my telly. Um, well, I've still been watching Scrubs. I've still been watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, we're watching now what is kind of generally referred to as like the the best season. Um, mm. quite enjoying that. And a bit of a crossover as well, because there's a contestant on this season of RuPaul's Drag Race um, who we have seen previously on my 2010 to 2015 rewatch of The Soup. Uh, sorry, 2007 to 2015. Jesus, even mm. even longer. Because uh, this, this person was also a contestant on American Idol and had become kind of a meme clip on The Soup. And then shows up on RuPaul's Drag Race. So that's that's how the world works, folks. Um, also, watch a bit more Twin Peaks. Mm. Uh, as I mentioned last time, we are now in the post good Twin Peaks. I want, <laughs> I want to say, I actually wow. think like yeah, no, the episodes that we we watched, um, I th- I think we're still good. But um, we are we're past what is generally considered like the golden period of Twin Peaks when when David Lynch was hands on and the show was about the the Laura Palmer murder uh, and without the murder and without the the murder mystery element the show definitely lacks that feeling of episode by episode advancement and finding out more and more information about the murder and more and more clues and. You know, you're kind of along for the ride. Here, it's a bit more uncertain what the show is now and where it's going. Mm-hmm. They've kind of set up a few plot points to follow, um, but none of them is as easily, you know, connectable to like a murder mystery is. You know, um, 
as I said last week as well, the 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 first sixteen episodes of the of the series I think are as good as anything else out there. Um, and I I thought it was really really cleverly wrapped up. But now they find themselves in that in that difficult situation. First of all, where people are trying to now come in and write the show and emulate the David Lynch style, which is must be one of the hardest tasks to do. David but that's also it. like such a fool's errand to come in and try and do another guy's thing. It's like it's I like know. it's the same as whenever you're rebooting a franchise. It's like you have to go into it with the mindset of let's do our own thing, you know? Yeah. Um now to be fair, some of the some of the story strands that they've started are interesting, and I'm definitely still, you know, in enjoying the show. Um we watched two episodes past um episode 16 so we're two two into the red i think there was like six or seven bad episodes uh in in inverted commas but i didn't think they were that bad i guess my expectations were sufficiently lowered that i was still able to enjoy it you still have all the characters that you have you know got accustomed to they do introduce a lot of new characters very suddenly um i think in the two episodes uh we watched post the the Laura Palmer story. I think there's some like six or seven new characters introduced, which is just a lot for a show that's already spent 16 episodes building up a big ensemble cast of characters. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how those new characters are necessarily going to shake, uh, shake down, whether they're going to be as memorable or as good. I, I feel like they're probably not going to be, but um, still quite enjoying the show and uh, really excited to get to that season three, the 2017 season. Um, because I think part of the appeal for that for me is going to be obviously, I, I don't know who necessarily, but I know that there's like characters from the show showing up 25 years later, so I want to kind of revisit them. Uh, and also, I just want to see what the show is is about. I like, I don't even know at all, and I'm like, I want to get to that stage still not knowing what, what it's going to be about. Like, I don't know what the plot of this third season is or mm. what it has to do with anything, so I'm super, super excited to watch that but um yeah even like bad bad twin peaks is def- definitely not the kind of step down that like bad simpsons is to any level. right it's maybe close to, like i'm on like the twin peaks i'm watching now is like season nine simpsons you know where it's still good oh, you're like, hey. not like season six or you know four five six it's still good okay every now and then there'll be an episode that has loads of funny bits but like is it overall is a bit of a clunker um and the thing with twin peaks is there's so much going on that even if the episode itself isn't great, there's there's nuggets in there that will be as good as the you know what's come before it. So yeah, that's it. I just I, you know we we made it about a half hour there without mentioning Simpsons. Um, <laughs> Disney Disney added a little thing on their app, their Disney Plus app. If you click into the Halloween thing, they've they've organized. Um, Simpsons episodes into a Treehouse of Horror playlist, uh, which is good. But unfortunately, when you when you click one and then it ends, it just plays the next episode of the season, which is which is. So you have to manually go back into the app to pick the next one. So, but what you know, better than nothing, I guess. But we 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 stuck it on. We were watching them here in in the flat, and uh, just because Paul reminded me there on the subject of bad Simpsons, so we watched like the season ten. Treehouse Horror, which wasn't bad, you know, it's the snake's hair and Marge is a witch. It's It's not a classic, but it's all right. It's perfectly watchable. But then the next episode was the fucking Kim Basinger, fucking Alec Baldwin, uh, Ron Howard episode. And I was like, oh, my God. 
This is a terrible episode. Absolutely fucking dreadful episode of TV. Uh, I think the one after that was the Homer becomes a hippie, um, which is all right, but not not very good. Because um, it's funny because I think when 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 I was going through on Disney Plus, I think I said on the show, I I kind of wanted to just like, oh well, I'll, I'll stick it out. I'll just see how far I can get. But like season ten, it, the the drop off is just so stark. I was like, oh, I can't. Um, but yeah, we we won't do any more Simpsons chat. Um, let me see here. That was your telegraph for the week. Video game. There's video games this week. I've basically been playing more of the same. A uh, couple more hours into Paper Mario. That's good. That's very much a, a um, uh, my uh, mid midday lunch break from work. Pick me up. Just kind of a feel good little thing uh, to keep me busy. Uh, picked up more of that. A couple of, did another mission or two in that uh, Walking Dead VR game. And today, after like a week off, I got back into Hades on the Switch, uh, which is really great. Really, really, really great game. Uh, really enjoying it. Um, I did after uh, talking about la- last week how I was putting hours and hours into it. I finished Paradise Killer uh, yesterday. If uh, if you don't recall, this is the kind of uh, detective adventure game. Uh, where you have to piece together the uh, uh, the the details of a crime uh, on a, in a sort of fantastical, sort of almost quasi anime setting, um, uh, and it was it was really really interesting. Uh, basically, the entire last like hour of the game is a trial, and basically what it does is there's like. I think in total there's like five unique crimes that make up the grander story of the game. And so it just says, okay, here's crime one, pick someone out of the cast of named characters that you want to accuse. And it basically surfaces to you all the evidence you found during your playthrough. As I mentioned last week, if you think you've exhausted all your leads or you've run out of stuff to talk about, you can go to the judge and start the trial at any point in the game. You could theoretically do a U-turn at the start of the game, not get any evidence, and just try and do the trials. Um, uh, so so it's basically very much just a recounting of what you found. Then you pick a person, and then the judge sort of picks through your, your testimony. It's very, very, very interesting. It's a great way to, to really hammer home that it's very much about what you found while you were playing. Uh, and it's a very satisfying detective experience. I was very happy with the with the, with the results. I, I I think I nailed everything bang on. Um, and I'm, I'd be curious to to go back and and maybe I don't think I'd replay it because it because it's you know it's thirteen fourteen hours and there's a million other games out. But uh, maybe watch some other people you know abridged versions of their playthrough and see hey did they get this did they get that did they accuse different people? Um, yeah, Paradise Killer, big big thumbs up. One of my favorite games of the year. Uh, I think it's like 15, 20 quid on Switch and, and PC. So, yeah, thumbs up on that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I finished that kind of in the countdown mode until the new the new Xbox arrives. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I've been playing this week. Right. I am I'm still on the Ghosts of Tsushima train. Been able to give that a lot more attention since I finished Super Mario 64. Um, mm. Oh, my my uh, my banjo Tui arrived. By the way, oh lovely, yeah. Which uh, which I never owned uh, as a child, uh, and I've never played a single second of. So uh, once I get uh, back to the N sixty four, I will beat Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tui back to back. Yeah. 
So looking forward to that. Um, no, n- now that Mario 64 uh, is done, I've been able to pay more attention to Ghost of Tsushima. I'm about 10 hours into that now. Um, I'm really, really enjoying it. I think yeah. while it has a lot of similarities to um, other open world action games, I like a lot of the little things it does rather than the big obvious moves it makes, like the the wind pointing your direction and the, the different stands. And like that's that's fine. But I like um, I like how interwoven all the side quests are. Yeah. So you you do your main quest. It's like um, find uh, Sensei Ishikawa or whatever, who is like. Uh, a guy from Lost, by the way, which I copped onto pretty quickly. I was like, that's that guy from Lost! Mm-hmm. Um, um, and you do that main quest, and okay, you, you finish that. But then that opens up side quests involving that same character, and it gives you like a little two, two of nine. So you're like, oh, so if you want, you can follow that story thread further, or you can consider, right, you've done the important part, the main quest part, so you can continue on with that. So it gives you the choice of like how deep down the rabbit hole you want to go, and I really like that the side quests, as a result, feel more connected to the main quest and less like a random person you meet who's like, go get my, me my father's armor or whatever. And, and it's completely detached to what's going on in the story. Um, so I like that as a little change. Um, I, I, li- I like how you have like different <laughs> options in terms of... of even within like using bows as ranged weapons, you have like your long bow and your half bow. Uh, and I like how the game will set up circumstances such in that it's better to use the long bow in certain cases, better to use the short bow in certain cases. Um, there was one uh, quest though, which I, I thought was quite annoying was one of the, um, you know, there's the, like uh, the bard quests where it's to get yeah. like mythical weapons with the armor. There's one where you get the armor that allows you to use bows more easily. And then immediately after you have collected it, it's like, right, have have 15 waves of enemies. Um, and I found that that was quite painful to get through. But um, no, overall, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I would say I'm even enjoying it more than the likes of Assassin's Creed, Origins, and Odyssey, even though I think those games are a bit more polished and, and ultimately a bit more fun to play. I like how how clever Ghost of Tsushima is in yeah. how it's like together. So I think I kind of prefer it in that way. Um, I think the 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 action in both games, uh, like Ghost of Tsushima and then those kind of games, is, is like equally satisfying. Um, I definitely have now got ten hours in. I've got to the point where I'm very good at killing groups of enemies without being hit once. Um. Which for the first for the first five hours I was constantly being killed. Now I've got to the point where okay, I've got you know more resolve, which is like your special move points, I guess. Uh, I've got my health up, got good armor now, got all the bows, the ghost weapons. But like even just in terms of the one-on-one sword combat, I feel like I'm a lot better at that now than I was before, and that's uh, really satisfying as well. Um, I, I really like the, the different stands, by the way. I like that as a mechanic. The, it makes the, me think yeah. Yeah. yeah how- it's, it's, there's, there's depth there for sure. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I, I'm not so 
good at and i never have been with any game is like a parrying system and so the fact that they have a full skill tree for like parrying i'm like oh i'll be avoiding that so because i've never been good at parrying in any game but um, uh, i i i think i think ghost stream is fairly forgiving on it it's not some of them do have like just an insanely small window um right. uh, where's this one i think is a little is uh okay yeah, I yeah I I really want to get back to it. It's funny though because it's just because it's because it's been a while since I played it, and you you mentioned there about the like there is a lot going on. It's not you know, um, like what's even an example? I can't even think of another. It's not it's not Batman. Do you know what I mean? Where you just jump in and it's like yeah, you can you can get like it's like okay yeah. So here's the parry system and don't forget because I had only just unlocked the second stance the last time I played, and it's right. and it's 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 kind of. Um, it's kind of minute as well because you're talking about like you switch stance depending on if someone has a sword or a staff. You know what I mean? It's not like there's a big lumbering tank enemy and you spot him a mile away. And it's like, oh, he takes a different stance. It's like no, you're literally having to observe what weapon they have. You know, it's 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 yeah. and it's great. That's great, but it's just it's not the type of thing you, you can pick up in a moment's notice. But uh, I would, yeah, I would like to, um, I would like to uh, to to pick that up uh, and maybe sink a few more hours back into it before the the deluge of christmas games and, and holiday games come out yeah i mean i had that same thing with the witcher 3 where i played it for like 30 hours and then the thing that's keeping me from going back to it is like well what oil do you put on your sword this time oh, oh, that's, I don't, that I mean, that's, why, that's why i never got to the 30 hours. like that's why i kind of I, I, I really liked aspects of that game, but I was like, I cannot even pretend to give a shit about all this, all these menus. Oh my god, there's so many menus and inventory screens, and I was like, but I when they announced they announced because I still have my disc copy of that game. When they announced, right. if you have a disc of this game at some stage in 2021, we're going to put out a, a patch that makes it look super pretty on the new consoles. I was like, oh, I'll be, I'm, I'm going to stick it in and just see, you know, because also it didn't run great. It didn't run super amazing on the PS4. I was like, if it runs nice and it loads fast, I'd be tempted to give it another go. Um, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I definitely think uh, it's a game that if I go back to, I'll have to start again. Uh, same, exact same. Yeah, no, because uh, I don't remember any of the characters. I don't remember anything about it, really. Um, Geralt. Geralt and and uh, I didn't watch the series either, but yeah, that's the uh, what else have you been playing? Uh, yeah, I just picked up the second Pokemon DLC pack there, the uh, oh, yes, Crown yeah. Tundra. Um, it's all right, I guess. It's um weirdly lacking in trainer battles, which is like half of the appeal of Pokemon. Like Pokemon games is well, collect all the Pokemon and then you like battle them, right? Mm. With with other trainers in the game, there's no trainer battles in this DNC whatsoever. It's it's just collecting Pokemon. Which okay, if you care about beating the Pokedex, that's going to appeal to you. If you if you've made up your mind already that you don't particularly care about finishing the Pokedex, there's very limited appeal for this DLC too. Okay, it's got all the uh, all the legendaries of of every game they put out. That's that's the appeal of what the DLC is. But um. Aside from a very flimsy story, uh, there's not a lot there to do. Um, and I'm kind of, you know, I, I beat the Pokedex of the main game, never beat the Pokedex of the first DLC pack. Um, and I don't know that I'm going to beat the Pokedex of this one. I'll probably play it, try and at least get the legendaries. 
Uh, but then I'll, I'll I'll tap out on it. I don't think there's enough there to keep me hooked, especially when I'm playing stuff like Ghost of Tsushima and trying to get back to Paper Mario. Uh, I'll probably play it for like five hours and then I'll be done with it. It's a shame. It's a shame because I think that Pokemon Sword and Shield uh, is the first Pokemon game that really took somewhat of a step forward and yet still has lots of issues that need to be ironed out. And this DLC didn't really do anything to iron out those issues or, or really add anything substantially different or new to the existing formula. So, look. And, yeah, that's the games go. Oh, I, how did I nearly forget this? Oh, my goodness. I, um, from my my good friends at Revolut, uh, the, the digital bank people, they have, like, a reward system that never has anything I, I give a shit about. But they they gave me three months of Stadia Pro, um, okay, uh, to to use. So this, I think Stadia has a one month trial or something, and then if you have a promo code, you can get three. So I cashed it in. I have not done anything with it yet because I. So the the way Stadia works is that they you can use it for free, but then you have to buy the games piecemeal, and they're like it's like sixty quid. Um, it's like full price to buy whatever Red Dead Redemption 2 or whatever um, and the whole thing is you can stream it on your laptop or your phone or your Chromecast Ultra if you have one um, but Stadia Pro is like their equivalent to PlayStation Plus so they have a little library of games uh, that are f- quote unquote free if you have a subscription so it's it's usually a tenner a month, I've got three months of a free trial, it's got Hitman Season 1 on there um, uh Dead by Daylight, Destiny 2. Um, I have not, because I'm like playing a couple of other games in the moment, I have not even tested this out just to see how it is. I will at some stage because I'm curious. But um, I, yeah, very, very weird. I haven't heard anyone talk about Stadia. I don't, I don't think I personally know anyone who's played it um, or, or uh, you know, even thought about it really. Um, but I, I'll, I think I might fire up the Hitman just because I've played a lot of that, and I can kind of I'll know how good the streaming tech is. Do you know what I mean? Because I, if, if it feels sluggish, I'll know what it feels like on a regular console. You know. Um, but yeah, so maybe I'll do a Stadia report next week. Um, but yeah, the, even even just setting my account up, which was fairly quick to be fair, and then looking at those games included for free, I was like, okay, this is probably why I didn't bother with this service because it, it's a fine collection of games, but it's just it's not. If I was to use a service like this, it would have to be my subscription got me everything. You know what I mean? I, I this idea of then also buying games separately, um, it was a big no no to me. But uh, yeah. We'll we'll see. Uh, do you want to jump into the movie? Golf? Who's watched a movie this week? Uh, I watched just just the one movie. Um, we rewatched uh, Hustlers. Oh, cool! On Amazon Prime, which was uh, yeah, still really, still really good, still really fun. J Lo's bloody brilliant in that movie, and uh, she should. Mm. Have won. I can't remember who won it, but whoever they are, they're a bum. Um, still really good. I think I enjoyed it more the second time around because I just have that tendency to when you first watch a movie to be a bit kind of analytical about it. So I'll sit there thinking, hmm, that, that doesn't work for me. Hmm. Being a bit, bit of a knob about it. So when I watched it the second time, I actually just enjoyed it quite a lot more. Um, yeah, and it's a fun and it's kind of 
there it's part of a bit of um kind of financial crash kind of genre so movies that kind of go back to that sort of 2007 8 9 period uh, kind of talk about that era which is is quickly becoming sort of you know history it was getting as we get further and further away from it we're probably at the point where we can sort of look back on that era as something quite distinct from where we are now um so yeah an, an interesting one i definitely uh, yes give hustlers a, a thumbs up good good movie Mm. I'd say I haven't watched Hustlers because, you know, ultimately, as you said, it didn't get Oscar nominated. Um, no, so fuck it then. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I watched about 10 worse movies because they were. Didn't. Uh, was that this last Oscars? Did Zellweger win that for that awful Judy movie? Um, yes. Or was the year before? I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I watched one film also, Joe. Oh. Uh, I watched Cage Fighter Worlds Collide, uh, starring uh, Tommy Dreamer, Mick Foley, <laughs> oh, uh, Santino, Matt Hardy, and John Moxley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this movie came out like two weeks ago, and... I, you think it would be the kind of thing that would have got mentioned on Dynamite by now? Well, no, they mentioned that last movie that looked like it took itself way more seriously than he was in. Right. Um, because this movie uses, like, Dynamite footage in it. Um, because Moxie, Moxie plays, I forget the name, something Stone. <laughs> Brick, um, Brick Stone. Brick Stone. Randy Stone. Randy Stone, right? Who is like the pro wrestling champion. Um, And they, introducing him, they just use footage of like his debut when he comes up behind Omega. They show him doing like the suplex on Omega into the like barbed wire spider web thing. Um, And then also, even more curiously, later on at the big like main event MMA fight, uh, it's Moxley against like the film's protagonist, who's f- kind of so bland. I've already forgotten his name. Um, for the crowd shots, they just use shots of like dynamite. So you have like crowd shots, and the crowd are all <laughs> wearing AEW t-shirts. I love that. Like Moxley is just like, can I be in this movie? And they're like, yeah, just go on. <laughs> can, I, can I? Can I? Can they license some of our crowd footage? Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's um yeah it's so it's it's surprisingly like cheap um You're joking. it's also very it's also very predictable it, it kind of it tries to shoehorn in as many mma tropes as it can so it has um uh like people pulling out of fights um and um gina gershon plays a kind of Dana White, Stephanie McMahon hybrid. Right. Which is quite interesting. Like, she plays it like Stephanie McMahon. Oh, and Christian, who we know from the wrestling, he's in it, and he plays a, a kind of Luke Thomas-esque, like, Ariel Hawani MMA radio host. It's quite bizarre. Especially when they're talking about, because they're all MMA heads, they're talking about wrestling, this, this fake shit. And I'm like, you are Christian saying this. This is mad. Like, why did, couldn't they get an MMA lad? Obviously, because they have, like, no charisma or talent. <laughs> um, in to play uh, 
these roles. Um, it's just funny that there's so many wrestlers in it uh, for what is ostensibly an MMA uh, movie. So the, the the movie is in like three acts. You have the the initial one where the MMA guy is like the the champion of he's like nineteen and zero light heavyweight champion. He's being trained by Chuck Liddell, who doesn't play himself, even though there are other people in the movie playing themselves. So it's kind of a weird hybrid universe. Um, and so they 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 make the freak fight with John Moxley to get the um, the pay per view buys in right and. Weirdly, right? Moxley, everyone is like, this guy is a wrestler. He's got no MMA training, and they're just putting over like, "I'm so tough, I'm so tough, I'll boot you up." Against this 19 and 0, remember this 19 and 0 <laughs> light heavyweight champion of real MMA, right? Right. So what happens is, first fight, Moxley comes in. Moxley beats the shite out of him, which is believable, right? Mm. Um, then your man can't get a rematch with Moxley, even though that would, in real life, that's obviously the rematch they would do. They're like, no, you don't get the rematch now. You lost. You're a nobody. You're, you're, you're banned from MMA forever. <laughs> so he has to take some other fight um, as a kind of, he, he's a, like the last minute replacement. And then in the end, he gets the Moxley fight again. Um, so, going by the, the typical, you know, Rocky archetype, you think, right, well, in the in the big rematch, he'll get the, the revenge, right? He'll get he'll he'll get the win. What happens in the second match? Moxley beats the shite out of him for four minutes, and then he gets like a fluky submission win. I'm like, I don't feel like this character has been vindicated. He he's supposed to be a great MMA fighter. He got beaten up twice by a wrestler and got <laughs> lost one and got a slip on a banana win in the other one. Who's booking this? Vince McMahon? <laughs> so while I would say it, it's very uh, cheap and silly I, you know generally actually I didn't think it was horrible I thought the performances across the board were pretty good um, the, the MMA fights themselves looked pretty good better than stuff I've seen elsewhere in like um, Warrior for example mm. um, so yeah w- within the trappings of it being a, a B movie I thought it was a fairly inoffensive one, if a little bland. Um, not something I go out of my way to see, unless you're just morbidly curious about it. No, yeah. um, but also not so bad. It's good, you know. It, it, it was, I think I gave it like a four. It was, it was alright. I just watched Warrior again, to be honest. Oh, also the the belt of this. MMA company, which is called like Legends Fighting Championship, yeah. uh, their their belt is the WWF undisputed title. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, uh, I watched some movies. I watched some of the spooky movies uh, as as we in the final week of spooky season here. Uh, as we discussed last week, I watched for the first time The Thing. From nineteen right. nineteen eighty two, John Carpenter saying, "Oh my God, what a movie! Oh my God! Oh how am I, I how have I waited so long to watch the thing? That was a fucking tremendous movie. Um, like my favorite thing I've ever seen that John Carpenter did. Um, Absolutely, yeah. uh, like Kurt Russell's fantastic. Is just like he's just a great 
kind of lone wolf kind of hero. Um, the 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 effects are still some of the effects. There is an occasional shot where it's like okay, it's twenty twenty, and I'm looking at this, and I can tell that it's like you know, it's like a dummy. Um, but but most of the shots are still incredible. The special effects, uh, practical effects, they are absolutely like jaw dropping. Um, they really, really are incredible, and it was, um, it was really, it was really interesting that that I, I didn't watch all of them, but I kind of started watching some of the special features on the on the Blu-ray and and Carpenter talking about how you know he just the only thing he wanted for this movie was he just he didn't want it to be a guy in a suit because when he was growing up watching sci-fi and horror movies, it was always a guy in a suit, you know, um, and in this it was very much not, and, and uh, some really interesting discussions on those features about the the never-ending process of getting all that stuff to work all the because it's obviously very intricate uh yeah but the movie the movie is absolutely fantastic keep david in there as well being really cool um yeah loved it i kind of wanted to rewatch it immediately after finishing it uh but uh, yeah even though I, I i you know most people don't really regard it highly i did i did get the prequel 2011 film with it when i bought it so I'll stick that on just at some point, just out of curiosity. But uh, yeah, fantastic. They are they are remaking it as well, which I found out. Uh, they announced this year that they're make that they are uh, making another version of this. Uh, which, as we were saying earlier, it's just like, what could you possibly get out of that? You're you're be, you're you're trying to recapture a, a very cool thing that that's now considered iconic. But anyway. Uh, rewatched The Babadook, which we've talked about quite a bit on this show. Uh, great film, really love it. Um, uh, still really scary. Um, you know, on a rewatch, I realize it's kind of like part, integral part of the themes. Every time I rewatch it, I'm like, oh, this kid's so annoying. This kid is so annoying. Like, I would, I would also yell at this kid and and, and laugh when he fell off the jungle gym. Uh, but you know that's part of the whole thing it's great though it is um it is a great great film uh for the first time i actually hadn't seen this before i watched Coraline, mm. um which is uh one of my girlfriends well i was one of her favorites but she really liked it yeah really nice really loved it uh really wonderfully animated uh and uh a a uh, lovely, uh, creepy uh, family movie. Uh, Terry Hatcher was a name I haven't heard in ages uh, as the voice of the other mother, which I really liked. Uh, she was great. Um, yeah, very much enjoyed that. So if you're looking, if you're looking, you know, in the vein of uh, of your um, Nightmare Before Christmas and your Corpse Bride, if you're looking for some easy to watch, nicely animated, uh, non non hard to watch, hard to stomach Halloween movies like the thing. Uh, Coraline comes with a big recommendation. We watched Halloween 3 last night, uh, which is a weird little anomaly because basically after making the first two movies with Michael Myers, this is when they thought the Halloween brand would be an anthology series. Mm -hmm. uh, so they made this one that's not about Michael Myers. It's about a completely 100% unique story. Uh, which is fine. Uh, you know, I, I, I was not turned off by that per se, uh, but it was still shit, baby, of, of, for a whole bunch of other reasons. Um, uh, it's uh, basically about this guy who is a doctor and uh, 
what the fuck happens in it? God, I've already shoved so much of it uh, out of my brain. Uh, this, the, he, someone comes into uh, the hospital after being attacked. He is then additionally attacked in his hospital bed and killed. Uh, and the, the doctor takes it upon himself to investigate why this man was killed. Like, none of this is, I don't understand why he's, why the doctor takes it upon himself. Uh, the doctor adventures off with the daughter of the guy who's killed, who is about a third his age and looks like it could be his daughter. Um, he, of course, shags her loads during the, the film. Uh, Prior, prior to shagging her, it's also established that he's divorced from his wife, but he has had it off with at least one of the nurses in the film, and he's very handsy with another one of the nurses, but there's no follow-up on that. And I, I was watching this going, did this actor like finance this film? This is like Tommy was so uh, <laughs> uh, like writing his film to me about how he's a legend and everyone around him is a backstabbing snake. Um, like It's very, very bizarre. <laughs> Uh, and basically, so he's um, he unra- unravels a conspiracy uh, from like an evil sort of Irish American uh, Halloween mask company that's that's trying to use subliminal advertising, I think, to mer- massacre a bunch of children on Halloween night because they don't respect Samhain, the tradition of Samhain. Um, it's very weird and it's very bad. Um, uh, the dialogue is horrible. Some of the some of the visual effects are okay. The score is actually fantastic. Carpenter is still involved as a producer, and he did the, he was involved in producing the music. The music is actually great. I think it might be as good as the first Halloween film, um, and it's a little bit more visually interesting, just like direction wise, um, than I think the first two films. But it's it the, the script is just shit. It's just dog shit. Mm. Um, so don't watch that. I I, I don't know if we're going to watch any more. I've heard. The rest of the sequels, where Michael Myers comes back, which have been retconned about three or four times by subsequent films. I've heard they're all dreadful, but I might watch them at some point. Uh, I watched, uh, I watched that taste out of my mouth by watching some classics. Watch Scream, uh, Wes Craven's '96 uh, uh, classic, which is great. Uh, watching it these days as well. I haven't seen it. I don't think I've seen it since probably about 13 or 14. Really appreciate how it really is kind of like, it is a, it's a traditional slasher in some ways, but it kind of is a parody and it kind of is a comedy as well. Um, uh, weirdly, my thought upon finishing watching it was Scary Movie 1 might be the most superfluous movie ever to have been produced because it's like, it's mainly parodying Scream, but Scream is such a meta commentary, such a kind of piss take send up uh, uh, of the slasher genre in itself that it, that, it, that parodying it seems seems you know, pointless. Yeah, and that's where Scream was great. It was um, it kind of had its cake and it 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 was a, it was a total parody, but also a great horror film in its yeah. own right. And uh, yeah, really, really, really enjoyed it. I mean, and, like the ending as well. I think I think the ending is really where you realize, yeah, Scream is great. The last like the last half hour, it's so over the top, and there's so many like twists and turns, and this person pops up, and oh, no, no, and then this, oh, it's great. It's really fantastic. Uh, so that has held up great. Uh, also held up very well is Blade, the 1998 Marvel film from before Marvel films were the biggest thing ever. Wesley Snipes. Um, you know, it's 1998 CGI, so take that into account. Uh, but it's still a great horror action uh, thing. 
uh, with tons of great nineties dance electronic music while Blade <laughs> fucking chops people's heads off and and in, uh, in, injects them with with anti vampire serum that makes them explode. Um, it's great, and it's it, again, it's it's that you know, I just I love I have such a such a soft spot for that pre homogenized. 90s comic book movie feel where it is like it is like a great b movie it's it's so cheesy every time he walks out into the street th- there's a, a a load of papers and bags being swept up by the wind because it's just it's got to have that noirish feel uh it's great and I'm, I'm gonna watch the second one soon uh yeah so that's all my spooky films but i did watch a new movie um because thankfully this week Borat back, high five, nice. very nice. I'm, I'm excited. Um, I did watch the Borat two um, on uh, Amazon, and it was great. Uh, I don't really want to get too much into it. Obviously, it's only about ninety minutes. It's pretty short, and it's very uh, you know bit heavy. So I don't even really want to get into. Uh, uh, too much. Uh, they, they, a lot of the stuff in the trailer is actually not in the movie. They, they, they did the old switcheroo on some stuff, so as not to burn a lot of the jokes. But it's, it's great. It's, it's, it's very much uh, Sasha Baron Cohen on on form. You know, uh, <laughs> wonderfully mixing kind of like satire and, and kind of you know making the people he's he's with the butt of the joke, but also just being a ridiculous character himself and and you know. They're, they're like the last Borat film. There are kind of scripted scenes where it is him and, and these other fictional characters uh, just advancing a, a, a plot that is the thread for each of the the stunts and the, the hidden camera bits. Uh, it's great. If you, I think if you liked Borat 1, you will like this. I think if you watched and enjoyed Who is America... Um, uh, I think you'll enjoy this, and really, if you if you've enjoyed any of 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 this kind of stuff that he's done over the years, I think it'll be right up your alley. It's it's very very funny, um, and uh, I was about to say I was about to say worth your while, but it's also it's, it's if you have Amazon, it's on there, so it's not it's not a it's not one of these uh, new release movies that's full price for a rental or whatever. It is a um, uh, it's on the Prime, so yeah, thumbs up on that. Very nice. Cool. Uh, we jump into the emails. We, we have got. I've got one email. Go on. I would be. I would be happy to read. Um, email from Scott McAvoy. He says, <clears throat> "When typecast actors stray." Uh, good afternoon, mm. Joe. I was flipping through Netflix the other day and saw the movie Number Twenty Three, which starred Jim Carrey in his first dramatic role. I remember watching the movie in the theatre, and no matter how much I knew the movie was a drama, I kept waiting for the punchlines. Do you find it difficult to take certain actors seriously when they get out of roles you're used to seeing them in? Um, I, I do. I do, Scott. Um, I was just thinking of some that spring to mind. Ben Stiller is definitely one. Yeah. If I ever see him in a more kind of dramatic or, a, or even a kind of a comedy drama, I just think, no, you're a silly man. You should be doing silly things. I can't take you seriously. Um, to him, definitely. And as, as Barry just mentioned, Borat, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen is, is another one, I think. Um, he's just got that kind of face. <laughs> Certain people have got kind of r- rubbery sort of faces that are very expressive, like Jim Carrey or Sasha Baron Cohen. And you can't, it's hard to take them seriously when they're doing a, playing a kind of quote-unquote real person. Um, yes, yeah, so those, those two definitely. Uh, I don't know if you guys got any other uh, names that are worth mentioning. I mean, I have a counterpoint, though, in that. Oh. 
you have people like Adam Sandler and maybe like Robert Pattinson, who were, were people who are kind of earholed into a specific kind of role that when they branch out, it, it's successful rather mm. than that I can't take them seriously, you know? And you, you wonder why they don't do more outside of their you know comfort zone, mm. um, which is what Paris, Pattinson does now after being kind of in, obviously in the Twilight movies and then um, one or two other movies of that ilk now does a lot of weirder stuff. Um, Jim Carrey, I mean, is, is, is one that, okay, number 23 is, is undoubtedly a horrible movie, but he did Truman Show as well, mm. I think before that, that I thought he was really good in, um, which was it. You know, he was still kind of Jim Carrey in it, yeah, but much, much kind of restrained, and, and I thought that movie was really good. Yeah. Um... Who else? Adam Sandler. Yeah, Adam Sandler. We mentioned. Um. Oh, there was. Um. I, I have you guys ever seen any of the movies where like Steve Carell is playing a super serious role? Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking of Carell. So actually, um, Scott also gives us a pick three uh, to go with this. Um, so we have three actors <clears throat> to choose from. We can only choose uh, one of their works. We have uh, Steve Carell. We have uh, Jim Carrey. And we have Adam Sandler. Of those three, which who, which would you pick? It's a tough one. I don't really like Carell at all. Oh No, I'm not a big Carell guy. Um, I think I, for me, it's fair, pretty easily Jim Carrey, I would say. Yeah. I think the, the only Carell I like is The Big Short, which was my number one number one movie of the decade. Um, other than that, there's only a lot in his back catalogue that I'd really want to watch. I've never seen Crazy Stupid Love, but apparently that's that's good. It is good, yeah. But other than that, not a lot, really. Slim pickings. I think, think about, yeah, I don't know. I just don't, um, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think it's just Carrie is, is, is he, because Les Paul said he, do, he does have the, the serious stuff he, he is quite good in. And also, he, he's got so many comedy classics, you know. Yeah, you got Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind as well. Yeah. Um, and then pretty much everything after that, I think, was a bit of a dud. Mr. Popper's Penguins and Kick Ass 2. And- yeah, he had, he definitely. It's funny because he he it was like it really did feel like he was kind of an icon of the nineties, and as a lot of them did, as the mid two thousands into the early twenty tens rolled around, it was like not necessarily bomb after bomb, but stinker after stinker is probably um, you know like Yes Man and um, you know stuff like that. Mm. I'm. I'm probably wouldn't go Sandler because there's only a. Yeah, I don't know. I do. No, I'm gonna go Sandler. Fuck really? It. Yeah, I just because of the wed. We've got the wedding singer, um, which actually we watched last night, which is great. Uh, you've got like Airheads, one of his earlier movies that I like, and a couple of his, you know, stuff like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore is quite funny. Yeah, it's not like my favourite movies, but they're not bad. And then you've got um, gro- um, not, gro- not grown ups, um, un- uncut gems, um, and funny, but you know some of his better movies. 
I'm probably going to go Sandler. Hmm. Yeah, I like Kerry, but I have this kind of weird thing with 90s stuff. Right. It all feels very dated to me. I think just growing up in the 90s, I have that as a kind of bubble. Like any kind of music or films from the 90s, I just can't like deal with. I, it's just, it's too, bleh. that's childhood. I can't deal with it. So that's why right. a lot of his movies I struggle to watch now. But um, I'm going to go Sandler. I'm going to go Sandler. Yeah, for me, it's between Sandler and, and, and Carrie. Like Steve Carell, I think, has been in movies that I've enjoyed. Big Short, Joe mentioned, uh, Anchorman. But I, or not Anchorman, uh, Bruce Almighty, which also Jim Carrey was in, where he plays an Anchorman, hence my confusion. Um, <laughs> and he's in Anchorman. Of course, he is in Anchorman. <laughs> um, but I just don't like him in those movies. Even when he plays a, a serious... Uh, a more serious role. He just has like a, a, a smarminess about him that I just don't get on with. Um, Carrie, I prefer his 90s stuff to Sanders because Carrie's as that that manic kind of almost slapstick movement to them, whereas Sanders were just really dumb. Yeah. Um, I kind of appreciate that a little bit more, even though like your Ace Ventures and your um, The Mask uh and liar liars of the world i have much better much higher tolerance for those than than your big daddy mm. and, and water yeah of the, of the ones i've rewatched in the last couple of years and i haven't watched all of them renting but like this the suppose like everyone like so many people talk about how, oh sandler you know he makes a lot of shit these days not like the good old days a lot of those golden age sandler movies they don't they don't hold up very well at all i don't think like billy madison is like fine uh but there's also bits of, like i've never felt like i understood more like uh, i remember when i was a kid i used to love like adam sandler and jim carrey and i would just and my mom would just hate it because she hate loud obnoxious comedy and she'd always want me to just like turn the tv down i've never understood that more than when i revisit adam sandler movies i'm like okay this is like so loud. You are you are just screaming and farting and talking. Just <laughs> can we slow it down here a bit? Come on now. Let's tell a nice structured joke with a punchline here. <laughs> um yeah. Right. Uh I, I, go ahead. I have an email as well. Are you finished, Joe? Yeah. Right. Uh, Scott McAvoy, ideas for more tournaments. So sit down, folks, because you got one of these coming in. Uh, good evening, Paul. After you determined which was your favorite Simpsons episode, you asked for more ideas. I have a couple. Now, he gives us four, right? Mm. So maybe we can make this into a little impromptu tournament and see if we want to, which is the best idea, right? <laughs> um, so first of all, we have top 64 Nintendo games. Oh. Uh, and and then top sixty four WWE pay per views. Um, my points for those would be okay. Top sixty four Nintendo games. I would say obviously Joe has quite a big gap there from GameCube to Switch mm. that he will not have played much of. Um, Barry, I don't know what your Nintendo. Uh, similar enough, yeah. Like a uh, big gap. Didn't have a Wii. Didn't have a Wii U. Didn't have. I don't think you've played many like Zelda's either. Or no, big big gap for me. Yeah, right. Right. So that that might be uh, one that we just don't have enough exposure to to do. Mm -hmm. And Whereas, I've only played hey, the Mario games anyway. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've played anything else. Um, that might be like a top 16 rather than top, top 64, to be honest. Yeah. WWE pay-per-views, I would struggle to go up at 64 for a tournament. And even within that, so many of them I would just have no memory of. Uh, yeah. There's certain ones that I think would stand out, like a, a Backlash 2000. Or, yeah. Uh, like a, um, What was it? I can't remember now. Judgment Day 2000 as well. Maybe a WWE matches might be a better way to go, to be a little bit more specific on it. Yeah, yeah. That's something that I could find sources for, like the Simpsons one, rather than trying to come up with 64 off the top of my head as well. Um, Mm. And then we have top 64 movie sequels or movie remakes. Oh, right. Remakes is interesting, yeah. Hmm. Or top sixty-four TV series. I think TV series is one that we could do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, we, we we possibly wouldn't have all seen all sixty-four, but with TV series, even ones that you haven't seen, you often have enough of an understanding about their their content and their quality, just through osmosis, that you probably would be able to have a, a fairly accurate vote. You know, yeah. What was the third one again? Movie sequels or movie remakes? Uh, yeah, I quite like that one. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's got a bit of a novelty. I like the yeah, sequels and remakes. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, we're not going to do another bracket game for a while, anyway. Maybe end of the year or new year. But I will definitely bookmark this email. Maybe we'll come back to it. Um, Scott continues. He says, if I have time sometime soon, I'll put together and (laughs) sit down for this one, folks. I'll put together the top 64 CSP quotes based off the quizzes we've done the last five going on six years. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, since Since you're done with your football documentaries... Uh, what person in the wrestling business would you like to see a documentary on? Grillin JR does a decent job of going over the history of people JR has worked with over the years. The Bobby the Brain episode is excellent, but who would you like to see a two-hour video history of? Have a great week, Scott. Mm. That's a tough one. A, a proper two-hour wrestling documentary on a specific topic or specific person. Daniel Bryan. Um, um, who's interesting? <laughs> that is the question, isn't it? That's a good question. That is a good question. I feel like we've had so many documentaries. <laughs> so many yeah, we've had a lot. Who who hasn't been covered well? Um, Hmm. I mean, I think ultimately a comprehensive Vince McMahon documentary. Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, Vince, done outside like the of the eyes person. of WWE would be an interesting, an interesting thing. Yeah, or maybe just like the McMahon family in general. So if you had like Shane, Stephanie, you know, Triple H, their kids, and everything, like some kind of right. documentary that follows all of them would be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, maybe um, 
In terms of wrestlers themselves, I, you know, I think Mick Foley's had quite an interesting life during his wrestling career. Uh, yeah, like, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't had a definitive documentary, has he? Not really. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like all, all of what you might consider the the most interesting bits of wrestling history have been done to death, like Monday Night Wars, Montreal Screwjob. Mm. Like, I, I, I'm not so much interested in seeing that stuff discussed again, but maybe stuff on the periphery of that. Anyway, thanks for your email, Scott. Uh, I have some emails here I can read. First one is, of course, from Scott. He says, I enjoy your reviews of the VR games you've played. They're really the only reviews I get since Giant Bomb went home for the decade and can't do their VR reviews. Do you think VR will be always a bit of a gimmick? Will we ever get to the point where the VR screens are good enough to actually look like real and not like you're wearing a box of bricks on your head? Uh, yeah, that, I think that's kind of the interesting question now. I, I, I think the tech is definitely good enough that VR is a fun thing, but does it get beyond that level where it's kind of uh, enjoyed by nerds like me who like are already deep, deep, deep in the gaming hole and have a gaming system and listen to gaming podcasts and stuff like that and care enough to, to buy a fringe thing like a VR headset. I, I, I really don't know. I, I think it's gonna there's going to be two major factors. Uh, one of them is, is already showing good signs, which is kind of the price and accessibility of it. Um, like I've got the quest. I love it. It's not cheap per se. It's a couple of hundred quid, but it's a couple of hundred quid for a standalone thing that does not require a thousand dollar PC to run the game. Um, uh, it's also wire free. So you're not taking up loads of space. You're not planting cameras all over your house, mm. which again is the, the early VR thing with the Oculus Quest was stick these two things here. And of course your PC has to be there as well. Also you need fucking 10 feet by 10 feet. You, you need a, you need an indie rig size gap in your, in your living room to do it. So, <laughs> so in that regard, I think it's, it's on the right track and they just put out the quest two, which is, uh, which was a hundred quid cheaper than the Quest One, despite the fact that it has better tech in it. So you know that stuff's always going to come down in price. So that's going to be the one thing. The other thing is just: are the games going to get sophisticated enough that a person will say, "I'm going to buy this instead of an Xbox"? You know, um, and I think that's I think that's a big X factor. I I, I really don't think we know. Um, like I said, I think I think that Walking Dead game is is pretty good, but it's also. A, a, a very limited example, like there are not too many other games on the quest that feel that significant. And also, as I said, it had to make some pretty serious compromises visually to get there. So that's the X factor there really is, is are, are really, in the same way, really great games had to come out for that medium to get legitimized. I think VR is the same. So uh, yeah, we will see. That's not, a, that we won't know it for a, a two, three, five, probably even 10 years. Uh, you know, in ten years' time, I think v I think it'll go one way or the other. I, I don't think it'll stay as this kind of fringe thing. I think it'll either catch on and and become more commonplace, not not universal, but more. Or I think there's a, a very good chance it could fizzle. Um, I think it has a better chance than something like three D, which I think was always going to never going to work because it's just crap. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't think three three D ever had a chance, but I think VR does. Just because the one you know the ones you have at the moment, there's 
when I when I you know I bought one of those cheap kind of thirty five pound right you, you, you stick your phone in mm. uh, and obviously that's like the, the cheapest you can get the lowest kind of quality you can get and even that I found you know it's quite immersive when I was watching like WWE had a th- some videos we get a ringside watching the match and stuff and you can go on a you know roller coaster and I don't know watch concerts. Even the really shitty cheap VR is still quite immersive. And so I can see once it gets to a point where it's actually really good, which could be five, 10 years, I can see people, um, you know, being willing to stick on a headset and look a bit silly um, to get something of that quality. And you can think of like football as well with like people not being able to go to games and things like that. I think there's there's definitely a huge potential. I think VR will carry on evolving. And will be successful, I think. But we're we're, we're in first gen. This is like VCR, right? Yeah, you know, compared to DVD, Blu-ray level, you know, quality. So, give it a few years, Scott. Uh, sorry, I think I cut out there. I'm back now. Um, uh, Scott did have a pick one. Um, I think this is is the tough is tougher than even the previous ones we just did. Um, so here we go: Bruce Willis, <gasps> Kurt Russell, <gasps> Keanu Reeves. Hmm. Hmm. I think I've just seen more of Keanu Reeves than the other the other options. Um, with Keanu Reeves, you get, of course, The Matrix. You get. Uh, John Wick. You get Bill and Ted. Mm. Bruce Willis, obviously, you get Die Hard. I mean, I think that's kind of it for Willis. He's a one movie. Like, like the Unbreakable films as well. Uh, I wouldn't lose any sleep if they disappeared off the face of the earth, to be honest. Ah, I enjoyed them. Like, I'm trying to think, like, is Bruce Willis like the earliest in someone's career that they've adapted the Shinsuke Nakamura thing? He's like Bruce Willis did Die Hard and then he just coasted for thirty years. <laughs> mm. I mean, he's done. He did look who's wasn't he in Look Who's Talking? He did, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. he did the thick, thick. Th- uh, I can't say six sense. sense. Um, Expendables. He was in. As well, I mean, to be honest, sure. since then he's done absolutely he's done absolutely nothing worth watching. Let's be honest, but uh, right, he's probably got f- five, six good movies. Kurt Russell. I'm not. Yeah, the thing is great. I do like the thing. But other than that, I don't. Think there's too much that I would want to watch. Yeah, I think Escape from New York is good, and yeah. I I like Hateful Eight. So I'd rule. I'd rule out Rossi. Okay, man. Um, Reeves, what else has Reeves done? Scanner Darkly. Bill and Ted. I do like. Point Break. Never seen that actually. Yeah, you kind of forget that, like, like pre- even pre Matrix, Keanu Reeves was an action guy of the nineties. You know. Yeah. God, he's done a lot of films. Because he had speed as well, you know. Yeah, the bus that wouldn't slow down. Yeah, I'm going to go Brucey Willis, based on only you know three or four really good movies, but that 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 would put it over the edge for me. 
I'm going to go for Keanu based on John Wick 2. I'm going to go for Keanu based on just like depth, I would say. Um, but uh, that was a tough one. Um, uh, Scott, thank you very much for that. I have another email here. Uh, I believe a new emailer, or possibly not. My memory is quite bad. It's from uh, Nick. Nick from Down Under. He says, uh, I was obtaining, in quotation marks, the latest episode of AEW this week and noticed that Impact was on the same site. So thought, why not take a look? It's been 18 months since I saw any of this show. I tell you now, it was fucking shite. They have both... <laughs> they- they have both Rhino and Ken Shamrock, for fuck's sake. The only interesting part was uh, women being involved in men's matches, i.e. there was two, six, quote-unquote, man matches, uh, but one of the men was a woman. Uh, that was at least different. I think I saw that, yeah. It was uh, like a scramble match, but Jordan Grace was in it, I think, was the, the one. It was also good that not all the women did all the usual look, uh, but the matches were meh. Did you ever? Do you ever watch Impact? Thanks for the pod. It is always a laugh. Cheers from Down Under, mostly COVID-free, thankfully, Nick. Thanks very much for your email, Nick. We're glad you're enjoying the show. Glad you're COVID-free as well. Um, yeah, I, I... This is the first Impact pay-per-view in a while I haven't watched. I actually do... Because the pay-per-views are usually well-regarded, so even if we don't talk about the show, might stick it on in the background or, or, or whatever. Um, and if, if a segment gets a bit of buzz, I'll watch it on YouTube. Um, I can't say I've watched much lately. I don't know if you lads have, but they, they seem to be the last hangers-on. They have not done anything to substitute fans in the COVID era. Um, so they they just have an empty set. It's They've got their entranceway, a short little ramp, um, the ring, and then it's just black emptiness um around them no no crowd no fake crowd noise no stage hands pretending to be fans no video screens um uh, like i think almost every other company that's still running is doing something like all the japanese companies are letting people in the american companies are letting people in wwe is doing video screens um but i've i've i have found that um that aspect of of current impact to be kind of tough to get into but uh but yeah, what about you, lads? You watched any impact lately? Uh, I watched Slammiversary on Fight TV a Ooh, few months ago. Yeah, and I thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah, because there was a bit of buzz around that pay per view with um, a lot of surprise and a lot of debuts because that was quite close to the ninety day uh, clause expiring for a lot of the WWE releases. Um, and I watched it. And I did really enjoy it, but one thing that it didn't succeed on was really giving me any any incentive to continue watching it. Yeah. Because while I enjoyed it, it was pretty much a one and done. I had no real incentive to uh, to check out Impact after that, so unfortunately, no. No, I haven't haven't watched it since uh, probably since AJ Styles was the (laughs) TNA champion. Um, yeah, we used to cover it bad, to be honest. We used to cover it in 2012 when we had mm. Bully Ray and Austin Aries and yeah, the like on top. Was AJ AJ still there after that? I suppose before we went to New Japan, wasn't he? Yeah, he was 2012. He was with Magnus. Hmm, mm, the good old days. Well, I mean, the the good old days were like 2006, 2005, I guess. Um, back when Smojo and AJ Styles were having the best match in history. Back in the day, um, yeah, sad, sad what TNA became, and sad that they're. I mean, I I don't know that I could realistically tell the difference between a 
Impact and, and Ring of Honor these days. Um, although they did have the biggest star in the world on their pay per view this last week, Ken Shamrock, <laughs> Eric Young, who <laughs> Rhino. On Barry, you're the host. You you do the news story. Alrighty. So uh they did have Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh was part was part of the broadcast uh this past Saturday night on uh, Fight TV. Uh, it was bound by the way, it was bound for glory weekend, in case you didn't know. Which again to, to Nick's question, I think that speaks to um uh Oh, Wait a minute. I did know because I watched an Impact production this week that I forgot about. So sorry, Nick. I watched that Talking Shop Full Keg show. They did. Why did you watch that? I listened to that podcast. Oh my god. Yeah, but like, oh, the idea of watching funny. that show. Was it good? Well, that's a different question, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Was it good? Ooh, well, hmm. No, <laughs> but it was fun. It was like it was like fun, a breezy, like forty-minute variety show mm. in which they had that you know um, the fake Nature Boy, uh, Paul Lee, the guy who does that Nature Boy gimmick. Oh yeah, yeah. They had Scott Steiner come in and slap him around, and that was very funny. No, it was funny. I I enjoy their show. I mean, I don't enjoy it as much as. Um, the major figure wrestling podcast. Did <laughs> uh, Rock show up on that? <laughs> he has many a time in figure four. Himself into um, that is still the highlight of my week. If people are not listening to that yet, get on their uh, their figure wrestling federation. Their little e feds they do. They're so funny. Um, best podcast currently going, including ours <laughs> uh, by a mile. Um, wow. But yeah, I, I still haven't seen that video that The Rock did. I still haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Uh, like it popped up on my um, on my feed. I just didn't care to because you know what it's going to be. It's going to be him in twenty twenty Rock mode, brother. He was an honor to share that with her. <laughs> we 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 beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> but hey, man, no respect and love to you and the family. If you smell what I'm cooking. <laughs> <laughs> You know that's, well, that's that still gets a pop out of me. Yeah, uh, yeah it was very much um, like because they, they were advertising, like they put they put a graphic up. The, the Rock will be inducting Ken Shamrock, and it was his picture, uh, you know, on their Twitter feed, and it was kind of reminded me of uh, when they had their sole quote unquote Chris Jericho appearance, which is when they used Enemy. Uh, yeah, they just played a music video. They played, yeah, they played like a video for Christian versus Rhino, but interspersed with the actual music video. And Jericho was there. Oh, it was funny. I think this is a bit more substantial. Yeah, it's a than bit that. more. They got, they actually got The Rock. To be fair, and I think The Rock was put in. He, it was a bit awkward because Ken Shamrock. I'm not going to say he's not all there, but you know, he's an old. He's a he's a wrestler who's getting on, and so he just publicly asked The Rock on Twitter. Um, and everyone likes Ken Shamrock, so no one, The Rock's not going to ignore him or mm. say, uh, "Brother, best of luck. I'm busy. I can't send you a cameo." Um, you know, uh, so he he kind of had to say yes, didn't he? Um, 
But uh, but yeah, so congratulations to Ken Shamrock. Congratulations to Impact. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that was uh, Bound for Glory uh, this past Saturday. The other kind of news story coming out of that was Kylie Ray inexplicably not on the show after like probably the second biggest match, second biggest thing they were promoting was Kylie Ray versus Diana Perazzo. And she, I, I was reading updates there from the, uh, the fightful select, which I, I actually got a membership of that just to try it out. It's pretty good. Like it. Um, and it does, there's not a whole lot of details. They've confirmed she's okay, but no one in the company knows why she was not on the show. She just did. She was at the show on Friday for the tapings of Impact, and then she simply did not arrive for her match on Saturday night. So I don't. As of this recording, it is unknown what's going on there. But that's quite unusual. Um, yeah, and we can jump in here to a very uh, newsworthy and buzzworthy edition of AEW Dynamite this past Wednesday night, where we. Among other things, we got matches and, and, and things set up for full gear, but I think we should obviously start with the big news or the big currents of the week. Lads, what did you think of Le Diner Debonair with MJF and Chris Jericho? Ooh, divisive. Le Diner divisive. Um, well, I thought it was very funny. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a good laugh. Watched it a few times. I did at first think, oh, God, should they do this on a wrestling show? Uh, but then, you know, it was funny. So overall, um, I wasn't mad about it. I just was sitting there mouth agape for about three minutes. <laughs> like I Initially, I just had no reaction at all to it. Confusion, I guess, was the reaction. <laughs> and then I kind of turned to my brother and was like, what was that? But... I did enjoy it. I thought it was um, really different to anything I've seen before. Now, different doesn't, you know, necessarily always mean good, mm. but I thought it was. I thought it was, you know, well done. No pun intended. <laughs> um, and it it advanced their story a little bit, and it intrigues me. And in, like, what will they do next week? What's to come? Um. Obviously, they're doing some kind of roundtable of the inner circle to see if MJF will join. So, you know, I'm interested in their story. MJF is a hell of a singer as well, if that was his actual voice. Yeah, by the way. he's good. He's like a crooner. He's like Sinatra. He's better than Sinatra. Better than Jericho. Oh, Jericho. <laughs> they should have used a fake voice for him. Oh, they should use a fake face. He's so funny. He's giant red face at the end of his <laughs> His Brock Lesnar face. <laughs> He looked like the steak. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd like my Chris Jericho blue, please. <laughs> no, it was really good. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I really, I really, really liked it. And I remember when I woke up and I stuck the old dynamite on, and this was the only thing people were talking about. I didn't, I didn't see the clip until I got to it on the show. I just knew that they did a big sing song, and I was like, oh god, because I do think AEW does too. They, they do too much cutesy stuff. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. But then when I got it, I legitimately just had the biggest smile on my face—a bigger smile than I've had watching wrestling in God knows how long. Um, it was just great. They were, they were both fantastic. To be fair. Um, and one criticism I've seen a lot online is, well, if WWE did this, 
you know, people would be shitting on it. Now, this is a point that I made. I'm putting myself over here, you see, um, as like some kind of wrestling journalist genius. But one point that I made a long time ago was that one thing that AEW has that WWE doesn't have, and it's such an important quantity that they have to like hold on to with both hands, is the goodwill of the audience. You know, WWE has an audience that hate the product as they watch it. Mm. AEW doesn't have that. So even if you're going to have uh, a segment, you can have a segment that is exactly the same in WWE. Putting aside for a second the fact that WWE would overproduce it, would have um, uh, IRS cameo. They'd <laughs> have know. Michael Cole screaming, Dinner Debonair! Dinner Debonair! You know, putting those things aside, because of WWE's historical context, yeah, people are going to react more negatively when they do stuff like this, because the rest of the show doesn't hold it up as well, so it doesn't fit in the context of an individual show, whereas Dynamite has... Again, the goodwill of the audience. Fans go into Dynamite expecting to enjoy it and expecting it to be good. So you have you have a show which has good matches, has good segments, and when you have a segment like this, the fans can appreciate it more, or can you know on the other end of the scale can tolerate it more because it's not in the middle of a show that they hate anyway. Yeah, but to your earlier point, it's like WWE the way they do things, they would have ruined it. You know what I mean? They they just they would have killed every joke. They would they they wouldn't have done it. That's the that's the truth of it. They would not have done it as well as this. No. But um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, I I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, as for the rest of the show, uh, I I thought it was mostly very good. I thought Pentagon and Phoenix was fantastic. Yeah, apart from Phoenix uh, landing on his head and being completely out for about three minutes in the middle of it. He- yeah, lots of lots of people falling on their heads on this show, which wasn't great. And that's not the first big injury during a match Phoenix has had in AEW. He needs to be a bit more careful, I would say. Yeah, he's yeah. Yeah, the, the, the a- big the big dive to the outside. He just went splat uh, a few months ago. Don't remember which match it was in. Big multi man match. Uh, apart from that, that match was excellent. Mm. Yeah, it really was. Um, Kingston on commentary was was great, um, putting over both guys, and he would be an honor when he wins the title to face either of them. Like, is there uh, is there better value for money in wrestling than Eddie Kingston? No. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like if you hired someone to be a chef, but then they were also out there ringing up the cash register as well in in their spare time. Like, he can just do everything. You pop him in any slot on the show, he's great. Because he also, they had the the footage of last week. So he was, like, ranting and raving last week as the show went off air. And they kept the cameras rolling. They aired it this week. It was the best promo of all time. He was was fantastic. (laughs) Cutting this off-air promo on John Moxley. He was so, so good. Uh, and then he had a sit-down interview where he basically cut the promos for his entire stable for their <laughs> matches that night, and then he did commentary. Oh, my gosh. Wrestler of the Year. Uh, well, let's not spoil our of the years. <laughs> Coming up in January. But um, he's definitely um, making a case to be in the conversation for the total package. 
Let's see how his match with Moxie goes. If that match is is top drawer, I don't think you can really find a, a flaw in his repertoire currently. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else was on this? Or at the other end of the scale, what is this Young Bucks FTR feud? Yeah, yeah. So they had this big, uh, what is it, four-team, four-team number one contender match, right? So it's Young Bucks <laughs> versus Private Party versus four and five from the Dark Order. And uh, who's the other team? Butcher and Blade. Yeah. Butcher and Blade. And it was the determined number one contenders, Young Bucks won. Good match. Uh, you know, mostly all action. Again, uh, another injury during the match. Another another injury in the match that they all kind of proceeded to do the match around the person. Uh, this one, like, because because it was different wrestlers and different referees involved in this and the Matt Hardy thing from a couple of weeks ago or months ago at the stage, uh, uh, unfortunately, the common denominator here is that the people in the back do not seem to be doing their job correctly, to, to, to put it as bluntly as humanly possible. Like, I don't really think it's fair to blame an individual wrestler or, like, yeah, they probably should have rolled them out of the ring quicker, you know, it could have been better. But I think the, the common denominator here is that whereas in WWE, maybe they'd even be too strict, but in WWE, they're waving off matches pretty much straight away when a guy gets hurt and they don't fuck around. And now it's like twice in quick succession where that has not happened in AEW and they've gotten very lucky. Like seems like Alex Reynolds was fine after this match. It does not, you know, the, if you didn't see the show, it's not like he fucking died in the ring. That's not a, you know, but he, he was pretty obviously knocked loopy and they kind of dragged his lifeless corpse to the corner after doing spots around his body for about 30 seconds. Um, so so it could have been a lot worse. And Again, Phoenix was like doing the, Spanish flies two minutes after. Yes, Phoenix <laughs> just kept doing his Phoenix match after after landing on his head. Like, he did not change a, a thing. Um, so, yeah, they, they're... That's what makes it even weirder and kind of more eye-rolly that they're doing another Sammy Guevara Matt Hardy match. It's like you are really tempting fate with your recent track records of not, you know, they've gotten hurt every time they've wrestled each other and then other people are getting hurt as well. Um, so, yeah. But anyway, this this FTR thing. So the Young Bucks win. Good match. They played off the uh, the private party finish where they beat them previously, where um, I think it was Cassidy rolled through on a Meltzer driver, but then Matt Jackson rolled it back. And he got a he just about got a three count on it. So I think they might have a, a rubber match at some point, which will be good. But uh, so they won. And so that finally gives us our Young Bucks revival match. After weeks of cooling off the prospect of that match by having the Young Bucks be heels and FTR be boring, um, <coughs> like pretend territory wrestlers, right? <laughs> but then the really perplexing thing. I want to get your take on this is that like, so it then seemed like they basically wanted to say, okay, fuck all that, that story we were telling that wasn't really working. We want the young bucks to be baby faces. So we're going to do an injury angle. Yeah. They want to have their cake and eat it, which they yeah. which they also did with um, the bunny rejoining the butcher and blade um, stable. Yeah. Did we really have to deal with like weeks and weeks and weeks of that to have it blown off quickly on an episode of dark? Um, like that's that's yeah, but I think I think that's a, a good comparison. I think they're too quick to pull the trigger on this isn't working, and instead of writing their way out of it, they just undo it. You know, yeah. Um, because yeah, they 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 did a, a steel chair on the leg 
gimmick with the Young Bucks. And mm. I was thinking, good, because they've... <laughs> I don't like the Young Bucks based on their behavior recently. So good that they got injured. They deserve it instead of feeling sympathy. I don't feel any sympathy for them at all. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's funny because it's like, when you look at that, that angle in isolation, like ignore all the past few weeks, you kind of think to yourself, okay, well, so this they're going to do this match based around Matt Jackson selling a body part for most of the match. Like, that sounds great. But it's it's coming on the heels where they've just been the biggest arseholes in the company. Uh, one, one thing I did see people speculating on, and I, I, I actually would hope this is the case, is that perhaps the point of this was to delay the match. Um, rather, cause, cause rather than just doing it now when it's ice cold, put Matt on the shelf and push it out until, I don't know, whatever their next pay-per-view is after this. I don't know. Hmm. I think they've I think they've already missed the boat. So anything they do now is ultimately gonna not matter. Well, they could have a really good match. I think that would that would go some way to repairing the damage. But yeah, it's it's confusing and weird. Don't like it. Hmm. Uh, elsewhere. Um, on the show. So the, the, the Phoenix Penta match, that was part of the tournament, the first round uh, of the full gear tournament for number one contendership for the world title. And it was uh, Phoenix beating Pentagon, uh, Wardlow beating Jungle Boy in, in what I thought was a really fun opener. Hmm. Um, Kenny Omega defeating Sonny Kiss with his new, uh, Kenny Omega's new like intentionally obnoxious entrance where he has uh, Justin Roberts is like doing the Roberto Rodriguez or Ricardo Rodriguez, um, <laughs> Robert Rodriguez, the the super long intro where he lists all his achievements, including and again this is how I knew it had to have been a heel thing, including the man who broke the Meltzer scale twice. <laughs> I was like, oh god, you be, this better be the biggest heel turn of all time. Uh, but he squashed Sonny Kiss confidently and uh, had a had a smarmy smirk on his face and then did the disingenuous raise Sonny's hand after the fact. Um, I thought that was... Uh, I thought that the entrance was a little too cutesy for me with like with the girls with the brooms, but it was... Uh, I like that direction in general for Kenny. No, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, it was kind of directly inverse to what he... When he had that last singles match with... Um, the Dark Order guy who went before he was in the Dark Order and he beat him in like 20 minutes and gave him way too much to a local guy. Um, Yeah, I like Omega as a smarmy heel. I think that, that fits him quite well. Um, Adam Page also won. You'd be surprised to hear. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean, that, these matches were good and I, I enjoyed, I'm interested in this tournament, but yeah, the, the opening round brackets were very much kind of like, okay, you know, Adam Page faced Colt Cabana, you know, uh, good match. I thought it was fun for what it was, but it was just like, obviously not going to be any, any upsets. Um, and that was really it. Other than the odd segment here, there, Cody, Orange Cassidy promos, Britt Baker squash, um, they didn't announce this on the show, but it's been on social media. The Cody Orange Cassidy match is a lumberjack match. Uh, they they announced that at the end of the show. Did they? Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, my um, my uh, perfectly legitimately obtained uh, for. <laughs> versions of uh, AEW. They've been cutting off really abruptly the last few weeks. Like the, the pin happens in the in the main event and then it's over. You know, I was I was worried right. midway through the the, the FTR angle they were going to cut off. But um, anyway. Um by the way on that FTR angle you had the weirdest oh reveal ever where a masked timekeeper came in to help FTR moving he looked like Gato because he was a, a an o- an old dude with his face covered doing very weak chair shots, um, and <laughs> the old Briscoe chair shot special. And, and then, but then he's like, he revealed himself to be Tully Blanchard. It's like, well, well, yeah, of course it's Tully. Like, who else would it have, would it have been? Why did he even hide his identity? <laughs> I don't know. Why did he even have a mask on? Oh, I don't know. Bizarre. Well, I've been thinking that myself as I was watching. All right. Why did he have a mask on? And then I thought, well, maybe he was like hiding in the crowd so he could jump out. And then I thought, well, why did he have to hide in the crowd? Why couldn't he just run out after the match with a chair? Completely pointless. So uh, that was Dynamite. And uh, the. Uh, what do we got? We got uh, Cody versus Orange Cassidy next week. Uh, as well, uh, I think that's all they've announced so far. But I'm sure there'll be something else. Oh, the uh, uh, we're getting Pentagon versus Kenny Omega, which uh, should be should be really great. Yeah. And what would the, what's the other match then? Hangman and Wardlow. Right. Um, good stuff. Yeah, and uh, so full gear currently is looking like John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston and I quit match. Yeah, the King. Uh, Darby Allen versus either Cody or Orange Cassidy for the TNT title. Um, they don't have a women's match yet. You'd have to imagine it's Britt Baker versus Akaru Shida. That's certainly what mm-hmm. they're leaning towards. Um, FTR versus the Young Bucks, maybe. And the winner of that tour. Uh, oh, sorry. Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy. Elite deletion, um, which I imagine will be cinematic. Yeah. Um, and then presumably Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega is what you'd have to imagine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, uh, that was the wrestling off this week. Well, we also have Hell in a Cell tonight. Uh, That was the wrestling (laughs) off. Which also features an I Quit match, which is bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's what? uh, Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns? Yeah, Hell Hell in a Cell, I Quit match. I like that combination. I think think that'll probably be good. I think it'll probably be good. Yeah. Mm. Um... Uh, I've, the little bits I've seen of that feud looks like it's been quite good. Um, this it has the best stipulation of all time as well. Right, listen to this from Wikipedia. <laughs> if Jay Uso loses, he and his brother Jimmy Uso will have to take orders and acknowledge Reigns as the tribal chief, or the Usos and their immediate families will be exiled from the Anoa'i family. <laughs> wow, a lot on the line. In this a lot, of, a lot at stake there. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I've like, I'm so like done with WWE's general way of doing things that I, I haven't bothered. I was kind of tempted to like at least consider watching SmackDown again because it was like, all right, that 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 storyline is supposedly good. And then I look at who they got in the draft. Daniel Bryan's back. I'm like, and it looks like they put all the shit on Raw, just all the garbage. Just put your Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, Retribution, all that shit over there on the dead show. 
Um, but I have I, that has not manifested itself yet in me watching SmackDown. It's just something I was thinking about. No, one thing that I did a while ago when I was like you, tempted for God knows what reason. Maybe I landed in my head like Phoenix for a second, but um, tempted to dip the little toe back in. Not for SmackDown, but I I was looking for a. And funnily enough, they just renewed the trademark this last week. I was looking for like a live wire style, one hour, here's the best segments show. That doesn't seem to exist right now. Um, the closest I get was like, you know, the, the WWE experience, but where like half of it is just uh, like marketing propaganda. And then they really briefly run through what happened so quickly that it's not even worth your time to watch. Um. So if there were something like that, I like a, a, a one-hour Michael Cole in the studio, here's what happened on SmackDown and Raw in one hour, I might check it out, but that doesn't seem to exist right now. Yeah. I'm sure they probably, like, not even on the network? No. Hmm. Main, main event might be the closest you get, but I don't watch main event. No, that also has jabronis having matches on it. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's the wrestling off this week. So, yeah, I don't even know what the other. Oh well, Sasha and Bailey is held in a cell as well. Like yeah. the, those are two good top matches. To be fair, I might I could see myself firing up the old Daily Motion tomorrow to watch the two of those. Um, uh, depending on word of mouth, heavily depending on word of mouth. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, maybe maybe we'll chat about that next week. We'll see. So next week, yeah, we'll chat about that dynamite. Um, uh, any other news? Uh, additional uh, spooky movies and whatnot. Uh, Twin Peaks check in and uh, everything else that you've come to expect. So yeah, chairshoppodcast.com to email us or listen to the old episodes. Twitter.com slash chairshoppod to uh, tweet a message at us um, if you want. And we'll be back next week with more fun and games. So until next week, folks. It's goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Joe Towner. Goodbye. And it's goodbye. Mr. Paul Griffin. Right.